there are many names for the Eucharist. And each name tells us something profound about this sacrament. We will discuss a few of these names this morning. The most obvious name for the Eucharist is the name by which it is announced to each person who presents themselves for communion. The Body of Christ. This name expresses the ancient Christian belief that when Jesus said, This is my body and this is my blood, he meant what he said. The Eucharist is his body. It is his blood. When the priest says these words of the Lord in the context of the Mass, Jesus takes the place of the bread and wine on this altar and becomes as present here as he was in first century Palestine. The entire body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ is given to us in every host and in every sip of the chalice. The bread is gone, and the physical body of Christ takes its place. And yet, there is a reason that we call the Eucharist the body of Christ and not the flesh of Christ. And this is related to a second name for the Eucharist, communion. See, flesh is, a, is sort of like a material that exists by itself regardless of quantity or context. But a body is a unity of many parts working together. The hands, the legs, the stomach, the lungs, the heart, the brain, etc. The Eucharist, because it is communion, brings all of these different parts into union. We, who are each different and unique, are united together into one body, working together to fulfill the mission of Christ, which is the salvation of the world. Interestingly, the Eucharist is not the only aspect of our faith referred to as the body of Christ. The church is also given this name because the church, too, unites many disparate parts into a unified whole. And so it is also seen as a body. Of course, our faith could have avoided confusion and used two different names. But it has remained this way on purpose because the church and the Eucharist rely on each other. The Eucharist brings the communion which creates the church, and the church is the communion that the Eucharist creates. We are joined together in the one body of Christ, the church, by the body of Christ, the Eucharist. Without the Eucharist, there is no unity in the church, and without the church, the Eucharist cannot fulfill its purpose of unity. This idea of unity and communion is very present in our gospel today. Jesus prays for his disciples that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus is talking about his oneness with the Father, which is perfect, because Jesus and his Father are the same. So how can the disciples have the same oneness among themselves as Jesus has with his Father? The answer is the Eucharist. 
By receiving Jesus and being made members of the body of Christ, the disciples achieve the same oneness among themselves as Jesus has with the Father. And of course, this oneness extends not just to each other, but to God as well, since Jesus is the source of unity for both. So we have body of Christ and communion. What other names are given to the Eucharist? Well, one other name is the bread of angels, or in Latin, panis angelicus. This is a strange name, because angels are pure spirit, so they do not need food. But I guess that's the point of the name, to show us that the Eucharist is so much more than normal food. Yes, the Eucharist does feed us, but it feeds our souls, not our bodies. It feeds us with unity, with truth, with grace, with the fulfillment of our every desire. It satiates our hunger for fulfillment, for transcendence, for God himself, because the Eucharist is God himself. What could ever satisfy such a powerful and immeasurable being as an angel? Only the Eucharist. A fourth name for the Eucharist is the Sacrament of Charity. If God is love and the Eucharist is God, then every time we receive the Eucharist, we receive love itself, love incarnate. Every single reception of the Eucharist should make us more loving toward God, toward ourselves, and toward our neighbors. Look at our second reading. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God, and God in him. God remains in us most powerfully through the Eucharist. When we receive the Eucharist... We must remain in love because love, that is, God, remains in us. Maybe my favorite name for the Eucharist is the most holy sacrament of the altar, probably because I really like fancy things, which is often shortened to the most holy sacrament. And in Spanish, it is shortened even more to el santísimo, which simply means the holiest. I think that is exactly right. What is holier than the Eucharist? What is holier than the very body and blood of Jesus Christ given to us to eat and to drink? What is holier than the God who loves us so intimately that he enters our very bodies so that he can dwell in us as no one else and nothing else can? Nearness to the Eucharist is nearness to Jesus. And nearness to Jesus is the entire purpose of the Christian life. Everything we do is oriented toward nearness to Jesus. And the Eucharist is our greatest help in getting there. Finally, we have the name given to the Eucharist by the Second Vatican Council, that supremely important gathering of all the world's bishops in the 1960s. 
This council referred to the Eucharist as the source and summit of our faith. In this case, the bishops were actually referring to the Mass, not simply the host, since the Mass and the Eucharist are the same. So what did they mean when they said that the Mass is the source and summit of our faith? Well, the Mass is the supreme act of worship of Almighty God. So what they meant was that everything in the Christian life, every Christian action and every Christian teaching, begins and derives its power from the worship of Almighty God. It is only because we have a relationship with God, a relationship that begins with worship, that anything else in the Christian life has power or meaning. When our teachings or our service become disconnected from this act of worship, they become atrophied or corrupted. Second, the Mass is the summit of our faith, meaning that everything we do and believe not only comes from the worship of Almighty God, but is oriented back toward it. Again, all of our teachings and all of our actions have their greatest and most powerful expression when they are brought to the Mass and offered in worship. Every act of service, every prayer of devotion, finds its fulfillment right here in the Mass, right here in the Eucharist. And so, my friends, as we celebrate these members of our community who will be receiving for the first time the body of Christ, communion, the bread of angels, the sacrament of charity, the most holy sacrament of the altar, the source and summit of our faith. As we celebrate these, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, let us renew our own devotion to the Eucharist. Let us be awed by its strangeness and inspired by its message. Let us open our hearts to Jesus, who loved us so much that he gave himself to us as food for eternal life. Let us approach this sacrament with awe and trembling, knowing that it is not mere bread and wine that is before us. Let us run to Jesus where he may be found. Let us run to Jesus in the Eucharist. Thank God for the Eucharist. May we never be far from its saving graces. Amen.